Let us pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. Amen. I'm going to read to you a poem this morning by the Welsh poet D. Gwynalt Jones. It's not St. David's Day, but it's called St. David. As you will probably gather from the poem, Gwynalt Jones was a passionate Welshman. There is no border between two worlds in the church. The church militant on earth is the same as the church victorious in heaven. And the saints will be in the two-one church. They will come to worship with us, a little congregation. The saints, our oldest ancestors, who built Wales on the foundation of the cradle, the cross, and the empty grave. And they will go out, as before, to wander through their old familiar places and bring the gospel to Wales. I saw David strolling from county to county like God's gypsy, with the gospel and the altar in his caravan. And coming to us, to the colleges and schools to show the purpose of learning. He went down to the bottom of the pit with the miners and threw the light of his wise lamp on the coalface. On the platform of the steelworks, he put on the goggles and the little blue shirt and showed the Christian being purified like the metal in the furnace and led the industrial proletariat to his unrespectable church. He carried his church everywhere as a body, which was life and brain and will that did little and great things. He brought the church to our homes, put the holy vessels on the kitchen table and got bread from the pantry and bad wine from the cellar and stood behind the table like a tramp, lest he should hide the wonder of the sacrifice from us. Gwynalt Jones. I wonder if any of you, like me, have been hurt by something that someone said, or that someone's done to you. Perhaps they've been unkind, Perhaps at school you were bullied, picked on in the playground. Perhaps you were treated unfairly by your parents or a relative or an employer or neighbours. Have you ever been in that place where you felt hurt or angry, mistreated, and it's burned inside you or it's crushed you? And you felt like either you want to curl up and hide away or you want to get your own back somehow. These reactions to things that happen to us in life are in one sense natural responses, aren't they? We're sensitive human beings. And when other people treat us like that, we end up being hurt and either responding with a kind of desire to get our own back 
or by hiding away. That wanting to get our own back, this sense of revenge, permeates all society, doesn't it? We see it all the time in politics, in the way that nation treats nation, the way that communities harbour grudges, the way that people respond to each other. It's kind of like there's a sense of fairness and unfairness of which we're acutely aware. And somehow we think that maybe we can set things right if we do that, or if we make them feel the same way. But of course we know that that's never a solution, is it? Whenever that kind of response is engendered, all that happens is that the other party responds again in like-for-like -like way. And so the cycle of degeneration of relationship continues. And yet, at its heart, is this thing that we just feel deep inside us called justice. It's not fair. It can be, for example, when someone we love is struck down with a disease or has an accident. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. When we respond like that, though, every time we try and restore this sense of justice that we think we have, all that actually happens is that other relationships are further damaged. And we're left with this quandary then about, well, how does justice ever happen? How do we restore things? If someone has done something that isn't right, that isn't fair, that is hurtful, how is it ever possible to make that right again? When we come to this teaching of Jesus, we have this prayer that Jesus teaches us. And here we are now. Jesus has gone out from Mary and Martha's home to a distant hill somewhere close by on his own. And his disciples have come along with him and they've let him go ahead and, and he's gone praying. And when he's finished praying, he comes back and they're sitting there somewhere on the grass. And then one of them says to him, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But there's a line in that prayer that is extraordinarily difficult to say. And so usually we just dance over it almost like it's not there. You know which one I mean, don't you? Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Do we? Do we? How do we? How do we forgive somebody who's sinned against us, who's hurt us, who's bullied that person that we love, 
that's been unkind. How do we forgive them? Why should we forgive them? Why? Because healing cannot happen without forgiveness, without letting go. Why should we let go? It's not fair and it's not right and justice must be done, must it? It's one of the greatest fallacies on which society is built, this notion of justice. Because in God's kingdom, there is no such thing as justice. Thank God. Because if there was, we'd all be in hell. Oh, wait a minute. That's where Jesus went, isn't it? That's the point of Paul's letter to the Colossians. When Paul says, when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Jesus when he forgave you all your trespasses erasing every record that stood against you with its legal demands, and he set it aside by nailing it to the cross. Brothers and sisters, that is God's justice. He takes it out on himself. Our rottenness and pain. And when we look at that extraordinary story that Alison read to us of Hosea, the prophet, you think, goodness, they, they were bonkers, those prophets. I mean, what a crackpot. How on earth does God ever speak to somebody and, and they think, oh, God's going to tell him, telling me to go and marry that prostitute or that promiscuous woman? What kind of person is it that hears God say that and then goes and does it Hosea did it Hosea went and married that woman Gomer promiscuous as she was and she didn't stop being promiscuous those three kids that we just heard that she had they weren't Hosea's they were some other blokes and Hosea stood by her. Knowing what she was like, he married her. And she carried on. And he stayed married. And he loved those children. And he kept them as his own children. Brothers and sisters, Hosea was showing us what God is like with us. You want to see what God's like? That's what God's like. We can be adulterous, we can sin, we can be selfish, we can tear down and destroy. And he loves us. He nailed his own son on the cross to bring us home. There is no justice in God against us because he carries it in himself.
for us. And so Jesus teaches us to pray. Father, forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Because with God's love in us, we can stop this never-ending cycle of breaking down relationships, of so-called justice. And we forgive, and in that forgiveness, grace flows out. And it's only through grace and through the outpouring of love that healing and restoration can flow into the world. And that, brothers and sisters, means life comes. There is no life in justice. There is only death. Life comes through forgiveness. And so when we say these words, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us, we have to take that pain of all those who have sinned against us or against people that we love, and we take that pain and that hurt and that injustice and we just give it back to God. And he takes it and he nails it on the cross. And so God's love comes back to us and allows us to forgive so that healing, God's healing, can come once again into the world. That is your calling. That is what it means to be Christ in the world. That's what Gwyneth Jones was going on about, being God's tramp out there down the coalface, round the kitchen table, in the broken home. Be God's tramps. Be God's people. Be God's family that brings life to a broken and hurting world. Amen.